Grab your Bibles with me this morning, Matthew chapter 6. As always, we'll do some review as we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, If we were to say major idea of the Sermon on the Mount so far has been what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, what it looks like to be a citizen of his kingdom. And so right from the get-go, Beatitudes, like this is what it looks like to be a citizen of God's kingdom. Uh, We're going to be broken over our sin. We're going to mourn over that. Uh, We're going to pursue righteousness. We're going to be merciful. Like all these things that we have to use, like, like that's uh, what we're looking for. So what does it look like to be a kingdom citizen? It's kind of this overarching Sermon on the Mount theme. But I feel like kind of a, a subset of that or, or one of the main characteristics of someone who's, who's a kingdom citizen is, is someone who is not self-righteous. And so right from the get-go, Matthew 5, uh, verse 3, the first beatitude, is that we would recognize that we are poor in spirit. Like, we would recognize that we are spiritually bankrupt, we're spiritually beggars, and so right from the get-go, Jesus is erasing this idea that anybody in the kingdom of God would be here based on their own righteousness. Like, like we cannot attain it. Right? And so, so if there's anyone who would walk in to, to church or walk into the following after Jesus, and they're basing it off of something they've done, or somehow they're self-righteous, uh, Jesus will say, no, there's no room for that in the kingdom. Like there's no room for self-righteousness. And so this morning, what we're, as we begin Matthew 6, what we're going to see is the same aspect of, of this idea of our self-righteousness. Okay, but before we get there, just for fun, I googled the term self-righteous and, and what does it look like to be self-righteous? Okay, this is not from the Word of God. Uh, this is from Google. I also understand that self-righteous is probably a word that the world knows, but it's probably something that was more common in the church. Uh, so this might be somewhat churchy. I don't know, but... But here's just some examples of what it looks like. And I want to compare what the world, uh, the world being three of the first, the first three Google websites that popped up, uh, versus maybe a little bit of the Beatitudes. Okay? So, so when I looked up what does it look like to be a self-righteous person, one of the first things they said is that people don't want to hang out with you. Right? Like that was common amongst all the websites. Now, I want to make a quick note. People might not want to hang out with you because you haven't showered in a couple weeks. Like, like duly noted, so I'm not saying that everything on this list is, hey, you're struggling with self-righteousness. Like, like maybe there's something else that's going on why people don't want to hang out with you. But just kind of looking at the list and putting it all together, like, like are we, we personally, are we struggling with this idea of self-righteous? Okay, so the first one was no one wants to hang out with you. Right? Why would no one want to hang out with a self-righteous person? Well, let's look at a couple of these other things. Uh, another word that came up a lot across these websites is this idea of lack of compassion. And oftentimes it's a lack of compassion. Why? Because somehow the self-righteous person thinks they've earned it. Like, I've earned it because my, my background's been rougher than yours, or I've earned it because I started with zero and now I'm this far along, or, or somehow like I've earned it, so therefore you should earn it. You think of somebody who's saving for retirement and they start saving when they're 12 years old because they want to retire someday and they hit 60 and their best friend turned 60, but he never saved one day. And so what does he say? He doesn't have compassion for him. He would often say, well, you got what's coming to you, right? A lack of compassion. They would say they're not genuine. Uh, those who are self-righteous are not genuine. Why are they not genuine? Because, uh, because if they were genuine, they would reveal that they're not so righteous, like, like, what I have on the outside doesn't match what's on the inside. And so if I show you what's on the inside, then it would just prove to everybody that I'm not who I am on the outside. Self-righteous people are not teachable. They hold grudges. How dare you offend me? How dare you do that against me? They do not accept blame. Like, they'll blame everybody else in the world except for themselves. They're proud. They're judgy. And they have double standards. Right? And so, so you look at this list. Okay? And again, it's not biblical. It's not just a list that other people in this world compiled to say, here's what we think about self-righteous people. Right? If, 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 again, like, weird analogy, but if this was your dating profile, I don't think anyone's going to go for that. 
Like, hey, tell me about yourself. I'm not very genuine. I'm not teachable. I hold grudges. No one likes to hang out with me. Like, they're not, they're not, you're not getting many clicks on that. I don't know how the dating apps work. I never did one. But like, you're not getting many follow-ups or dates or whatever, right? That's not what's going to happen. But then you go back to Matthew 5 and you walk through the Beatitudes. Here's what a, a citizen of the kingdom looks like. Like, like man, they are merciful. They, they, they would be peacemakers. They would be people who, are, who, who know that they're spiritually broken and they would mourn over that. And so there's not this expectation that you have to be perfect because they know they're not perfect. And you look at the Beatitudes, and, and again, I kind of said this last week, but there's this picture of like, here's what it looks like to just be a good human. Like whether you believe in God or not, and, you know, obviously we're in church, you should believe in God, but, but just the picture of the Beatitudes, like this is what it looks like to be a loving, kind person that people would want to hang out with. And what the world is selling us is more of self-righteousness, which is what? Which is promote me and not promote God, promote my ideas, promote my name. And, and what do we say from that? We say, Man, I don't really want to be a part of that. Right? So just from the get-go, what is Jesus saying here in Matthew 5? He's saying we're not about self-righteous people. Right? We, we see that. First two Beatitudes. You're, you're spiritually uh, a beggar, you're spiritually bankrupt, and you would mourn over that fact. Okay, so since so we dive into Matthew 6, like self-righteous and this idea of being self-righteous, like Jesus is going right after that even more. Okay, one last thought uh, before we dive in. I've said this before, I'll keep saying this. Sermon on the Mount is one message. It's not uh, 10 of Jesus' best messages he ever preached that Matthew combined into one section. Like it's one message that Jesus preached. Okay, with that being said, there's a flow, there's unity, there's all these things. And yet at the same time, there's, there's different sections. Okay, so, so I'm really bad at outlining. That was the thing I hated most about English is when they said, here's like a paragraph and outline it. Like, I don't care about that. But if we were to outline it, like Beatitudes, probably to salt and light would be the first section. Right? The second section is the law. And then Jesus saying there in verse 20, like your righteousness has surpassed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Like, like that section, then leading into all six of the things that we've covered the last three weeks. Right? That would probably be section two. So section three is going to sound somewhat similar to section two. Saying this, Jesus is going to give a one, one sentence, one verse, verse 1 of chapter 6. And from that one verse, he's going to give us some specific examples. So last time it was, your righteousness needs to surpass the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. And then he gave us six examples, murder and adultery and divorce and, and the loving your enemy and all these things, right? He gave us some examples. Same idea here. Verse 1, kind of be this overarching thing to follow out three specific examples that he's going to give. Now, I normally don't do this, so just a heads up. We're going to spend a lot of time on verse 1. Okay, we'll cover uh, verses 1 through 4, Lord willing, this morning. Uh, so we'll get through verse 1. We'll get through the first example that he gives. Uh, but we're going to probably spend a little bit more time just on verse 1. Because if we can get that, then I feel like the next three uh, examples that Jesus gives is just so much better for us. Okay, so with all that being said, there's our review. Let's, let's dive into Matthew 6. We'll just read the first verse to start. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so, so just surface level reading, like we're not going to, we'll talk about what the Greek words mean and some other things here in just a second, but just surface, surface level reading. Like, hopefully, there's some thought in your brain about a, a passage, uh, a, a sentence, a verse back in Matthew 5 that, that might sound like it doesn't fit with Matthew 6. Right? Some of us have memorized the verse, we're working on memorizing the verse, but Matthew 5.14 would say what? They would say, let your light shine in such a way that, that men may see your good works. So, so here uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus says your good works should be visible. And here in Matthew 6, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men. And so there's this question to the reader, to the listener there in Jesus' day, which one is it? Is, are, do, am I supposed to have good works that people would see and observe? Or am I not supposed to have good works that people see and observe? 
And so, so the answer is in the second half of each of these verses. Right? Matthew 5.14 says, what? You're going to have your light shine so that men might see it. And what is the response to them seeing your good works? That they would glorify your Father in heaven. So, so Matthew 5 says there's a way to do good to your community, to people in this church, the, to those around you that would glorify God. And then there's a way in, ver- in chapter 6, verse 1, that you would quote-unquote do good works. But what's the response of those good works? What's the response of that righteousness? That you'd be noticed by men. Right? So there's this motivation here behind our good works. Like Matthew 5, good works are good. We're for them. We want people to see the good works so that they might have a better picture of who our God is. Matthew 6, you're doing some sort of righteousness for your own benefit. Okay, so, so let's talk about this. Uh, if you look in, in verse 1, there's that word. Beware of practicing righteousness before men to be what? Notice. That word notice. I, I think it's so cool, this word. Because, because this is a word that they would use uh, in reference to a play that they would watch. Like, like you'd, you'd watch some sort of performance and, and you notice how good that guy was or you'd kind of point out one guy, right? But it's in reference to a play or a production or whatever you want to say on that. And so, so what I feel like Jesus is saying is when you practice your righteousness before men to be noticed, all you're doing is putting on a good show. Like that's, that's your goal. Your goal is to look good in front of somebody else. So let me, let me put on some righteousness. Let me put on things so that people might notice me. And Jesus says, all you're doing right now is putting on a good show. Okay, so here's the temptation, though. And this is why I want to park here on verse 1. Because when we read these examples, starting in verse 2, we're going to start, we'll hit that one this morning. But we read through these examples, and there's this picture of them trying to be noticed. Right? The first one we're going to look at, a little spoiler alert, but what's coming is they're going to blow a trumpet, whether figuratively or literally, every time they give. They're going to give money of some sort. Let me blow my trumpet so that everyone around me will hear what, you know, they'll hear it, they'll look at me, they'll watch me drop my money in the, the offering box, wherever they're putting it, like, look at me. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing this to be noticed. And the temptation for us then is what? I, I don't think anybody in here brought a trumpet. Right? I don't, I've never been in a service where anybody blew a trumpet before they put their money in an offering plate. I've never been in a service where anyone blew a trumpet except for on the stage. Like, performing, like, for the music, right? Like, most of us in this room don't even own a trumpet, like a ram's horn especially, right? And so, so there's this idea or this temptation that we're going to be like, hey, they really promoted their own righteousness. They blew trumpets, and they were, like, crazy over the top. Like, like we in 2022 America don't struggle with that. Like, when's the last time somebody broadcasted for all to stop and look at them while they dropped money or they're going to give online, right? Like, let me tell everyone, hey, pause, let me pull out my phone, I'm going to give online. Like, like we don't do that. And so there's a temptation to think, hey, we're fine, we got it. Like, like we don't struggle with this. And so I'm not trying to stuff on people's toes. Uh, this, is a, this is a gift, probably, to humanity. Maybe some of us would view it as a curse. But I think one of the greatest ways that we would stop and blow trumpets for people to observe us is through social media. Right? Like, like I'm, again, there's good things about social media. I'm not trying to say everything about social media is wrong or evil. But, but how many times have we seen uh, either someone we follow on Instagram or even just driving down the street and you see every single person wearing the brightly colored t-shirt and they're outside building a house in a low-income community or they're feeding homeless people or they're, they're doing some soup kitchen, whatever it might look like, and they're doing these things together and like four of them have their phones out taking selfies. And it's like guaranteed, maybe not guaranteed, almost guaranteed that's going on Instagram here pretty quick. 
right? And is it wrong to say, hey, we're helping people in our community, hashtag we love Sarasota or whatever. Like, no, I'm not saying that's evil, but I'm saying it's a real easy temptation on social media today to be like, hey, guess what? The whole world, not just people that can be earshot of this trumpet I'm about to blow, but the whole world's going to get an insight on my good works that I just did. Right? So, so again, we're, we're coming up on fall in Florida. Maybe we don't ever quietly, quite get fall. Like, I understand that. But we're coming up in fall. Instagram will be loaded with people drinking pumpkin spice lattes with their Bible open. And if they're, if they're more on the encouraging person side, it's open to Psalms. If they're more on the theologian side, it's open to Romans. If they're on the side like, hey, I read every page of my Bible, it's like open to the prophets somewhere, right? And, and here's this picture that they post on social media like, God and I time, hashtag devotions, hashtag whatever. And what happens is we don't read our Bible. Why? Because we're too busy checking the comments and the likes on that. And then it ruins our day because in the first hour of that post, we only got three likes. And all of a sudden, we're doing things not for the glory of God, but just for the praise of men. And again, if you have Instagram, like, great, praise God for that. I hope you use it for the glory of God. But there's this temptation to say, hey, I'm going to use things so that people give me a pat on the back. I'm going to use things so that people will think well of me. And so what does Jesus say? He says, we're not going to do things to be noticed by them. Look at the first word of verse, uh, the first word of verse 1. He says what? He says, beware. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Imperative. That, that we, would, we would stop and just take notice. Why are we doing these good works? Why are we doing this righteousness that we're doing? Why? Because our natural tendency, our natural bend as humans is to do it. It's to do good in order to get praise. Like that's our natural tendency. Right? And for some of us, like just our personalities, not, you know, whatever, not saying you're more sinful than someone else. But for some of us, it's like, hey, my personality, I just did good. I'm ready for a parade. Like if you could, someone could schedule a parade for the good works that I just did, like that'd be great. And for some of us, our personality, it's like we just want our name written somewhere in the program on the back. Like we don't, we don't need the parade, but you know, just something small, something, something really significant. And we think like the guy who needs the parade is far worse than the guy who doesn't want the parade but still wants the recognition. And I think what Jesus is saying is, no, we're not doing it for any recognition at all. Like, like we are serving God to glorify him. And whether our name's on the back or, or not, we're not worried about that. We're worried about the glory of God and his kingdom. Right? And so what does Jesus say? He says, beware. Like, like, stop and think, why am I doing this? Is this for the glory of God? Is this Matthew 5.14 so that people might see good works and glorify their Father who is in heaven? Or is this so people would, would, would think well of me? That, that YouTube video, is this, just, is this just to get people to like me? Is this more comments? Is this more views? That Instagram post, Facebook, like social media, right? And for some of us, like, like, just where I'm at right now. I haven't been on social media in a long time, except to post things for the church. Like, I, I don't scroll anymore. I'm trying to get off of it. Like, that's just where I'm at. So there's this tendency to be like, huh, I'm not on social media. So therefore, here's my self-righteousness exposing myself, saying I'm not controlled by social media, but you are. Like, okay, that's just the same thing, right? Like, so, so I'm going to park on social media here for a little bit, like I already did. Um, but there's plenty of other ways. 2,000 years ago, they promoted themselves without social media. Right? Okay, so anyway, let's keep going. Uh, if, if, the, if the book of Ephesians taught us anything, which hopefully it taught us a lot, but as we went through the book of Ephesians a couple months ago, beginning of the year, that, that phrase, all y'all, which is not translated in the text, but it's the Greek word, kind of means all of you together as one unit. Like, like that picture from Ephesians 1 all the way to the end of the book, over and over again, you as a church, you as a church, all y'all together. Okay, so, so here's my thought. We as individuals can use Instagram, social media, other platforms, other ways that we could make people look at me as an individual and think highly of me. But we can do the same exact thing as a church. 
Like where we're not doing Matthew 5.14 as a church, we're doing Matthew 6.1 as a group, as a church. So that people would look at gospel community and they would sing gospel community's praises, but they wouldn't sing the praises of Jesus Christ. And so it's not just an individual thing, it's a group effort thing. Okay, so, so then why is it so serious? Why is Jesus saying this command of beware of doing this? One, because it's a natural bent. Two, uh, Matthew 5.14, because we're, we're here to glorify God and not ourselves. But notice what he says here in this verse. He gives us a reason. When you practice your righteousness before men so that you would be noticed by them, you put on the show, you look good, what does he say? He says, otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Right, so let's just, let's just stay on the group thought for a second, right? Gospel community of Sarasota. Like, like, what good works as a church have we done? Like, what righteousness, what good works, however you want to wear that, have we, have a church, what have we, what have we done? And not necessarily uh, corporately as like an official thing, like we're doing those, those care packages for the persecuted church, like praise God for that. But, like, but even just like someone in the church texting someone else in the church saying, hey, I'm going to go serve the community in such and such a way. Would you like to come with me? Right? So, so some level, what has the church done? Right? I wonder. I don't think it's going to go like this in heaven. But, but I just imagine that, that in heaven, we as a church would gather, a gospel community of Sarasota would gather together and we would stand before Jesus and there would be, would there be a, a reward that Jesus would hand us as a church? Or would he say, hey, you know what? You just did it all for a show. Right? We can look at churches around our community. Like, I'm not. We, they have the best music. They have the best buildings. They have the best lights, the best stage, the best, like, list goes on and on. And I wonder, though, for some of these churches, like, have you missed the point? Have you just made it all about a show? Have, are you just doing it to be noticed by men? Right? Individually, we're going to stand before Jesus someday, and we give an account of our life, of what we did for his glory and to build his kingdom. So individually, we get to stand before him. And what is he going to say? Is he going to, is he going to have some sort of reward that we don't really deserve, but he's going to have some sort of reward that he would give to us in heaven? Jesus says, hey, if you're just doing it for, the, for your own namesake, if you're just doing it to, to be put on the show and get noticed, he says, you have no reward with your father who is in heaven. Right? So, so that's the overarching thing in Matthew 6 now. Right? So, so new section. What, what reason are you doing righteousness? Are you doing it to be noticed, or are you doing it for the glory of God? Glory of God? So, verses 2 through 4, then, is, is Jesus' first example. This is, this is one way that, in their context, 2,000 years ago, people were doing good works, they were doing righteousness, to, to be noticed by men. So, verse 2, let's read 2 through 4. So, when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and in the streets so they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All right, back to verse 2. So, so when you give to the poor, he's going to say this twice. He says it again in verse 3. Uh, expectation is that you're going to give. Right? Like, like, it's not like, hey, giving somehow is wrong. or is get, like, No, there's this expectation that you're going to give. And, and we'll talk about more of that in just a second. But expectation, you're going to give. But when you give, what do you not do? You don't sound a trumpet. And again, that could have been literal. There could have been religious leaders who literally stood there and blew a trumpet before they gave. Other people think that it was just a figure of speech, so they would get somebody's attention and they'd blow their own trumpet because of how they gave. But either way, Jesus says what? He says, we're not doing this. We're not going to give solely for the reason that people would notice that we are giving. 
He's, we're going to give back to Matthew 5. Why? For the glory of God and that, that the glory of God might shine forth, that we might build his kingdom. Okay, so, so when you give, do not sound a trumpet before you. And then he says this, as the hypocrites do. That word hypocrites goes right back with verse 1. Uh, the word noticed is, is part of this play, part of this performance that would go on, and you like notice that person. The word hypocrite is the same idea as far as the play. Uh, they didn't put on makeup and other things. They would put a mask in front of their face. And, and sometimes you would play more than one person, and so you would have multiple masks that you would pull out in the middle of your performance, and you'd hold up a certain mask depending on which person you were supposed to represent at that time. And, and so what's the picture? The picture is that who we're looking at is only, it's a fake, it's not real. Like the real person is behind the mask. And so Jesus is saying what? He's saying in, in verse 2, when you give to the poor, like you're doing a good work and that you're giving to the poor. And he says, yet the way that you're doing it, you're just a big hypocrite. What we see on the outside is not true of what's on the inside. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying that person, this hypocrite, has, has no part in the kingdom of God. Like you want to be a kingdom citizen? This is not how you be a part of the kingdom. This is not what it looks like to be a follower after Jesus. We don't follow Jesus so that people will praise us. And yet so often, that's the temptation, is, is I want to follow Jesus and, and I want someone to pat me on the back for doing it. Notice what he says there. Verse 1, uh, if you do this, be noticed by men. He says what? You have no reward with your Father who is heaven. But you do have a reward. Because notice what he says in verse 2. Those who, who sound a trumpet, those who make a big deal about how they give in the synagogue and the streets, they get honored by men. And then the end of verse 2, truly I say to you, you uh, they have their reward in full. What is their reward? The praise of men. I was texting somebody, uh, sports analogy, just hang in there if you don't like sports. Um, I was texting somebody a, a couple months ago, our sports teams were playing each other. And, and he, their team won. I mean, our sports team. I have zero you know, money on any of this. I don't own any sports team. Uh, the che- team I cheer for and the team he cheers for, we're playing each other. And his team won, and he was kind of rubbing it in. And, and I, I just made a comment like, hey, just so you know, tomorrow morning they're going to they're gonna release the, the who they think is going to win the Super Bowl next year. Like, like, you get about 24 hours to celebrate a Super Bowl, a World Series, a Stanley Cup, and literally the next morning it's like, all right, here's, here's what's happening next year. Here's who we think is going to win. Here's who needs to retire. Here's going to, like, and it's all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you got the, the praise, you got praise of men for about 24 hours or less. First game of the next year, you blow it. They don't remember the Super Bowl. Like, we want another win right now. You think about this. You're giving in such a way for the praise of men. How short-sighted is that? Like, literally, it will last for a couple minutes. Like, if you're lucky, and this is a weird way to say it, if you're lucky, maybe it gives you a good feeling for a couple days. And he says, that's your reward. Like, you have no reward, verse 1, from your Father who is in heaven, but you do get a reward. And it's that people, would, they'd clap for you and pat you on the back. But if you don't do it tomorrow, they won't remember what you did today, and so therefore, it's, it's so short-lived. So what does he say, though? He says, this is not what we're going to do. Verse 3, this is what kingdom citizens are going to do. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4, so that your giving will be in secret. Obviously, it's impossible for our left hand not to know what our right hand is doing. Uh, there are times where I feel like my left hand is only here so I don't look weird. Um, being right-handed, it's not really a dominant thing over here on my left side. Uh, but it's impossible for my brain to be able to do something right-handed and my left hand not know what's going on. So what is Jesus saying with this statement? I, I think from, from studying it out, I, I think this is the picture. We read verse 1, 
We don't want to practice our righteousness to be noticed by men. So what do we do? We give. We don't sound a trumpet. We don't brag to other people. We don't tell people how we gave. We don't do these things. But what do we do is we pat ourselves on the back. Like, like my day has been made. I feel so much better about myself or whatever because I, because I did something good. And I didn't do it for the glory of God. I did it for my own conscience sake that I would feel better about myself. And so it's like, I don't, there's a phrase that I, I couldn't think of, but something about like your arm's not long enough to pat yourself on the back. Like, like you're trying and you really want to, but you're not doing it for his glory. You're still doing it in a weird twist away for your own glory. He says, we're not going to do it in such a way that I say, hey, I did such a great job. Look at me. I feel like we, we probably know some of these people. That, that, I mean, we're all this way, so we know ourselves. But it's like you did one really good thing about 30 years ago, and you still talk about it. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, that was it. Like, like you, you served in that capacity, or you gave money, or you, you won a championship. Like, whatever your context is, and it's like you did that about 30 years ago, and you don't stop talking about it. I feel like that's almost the picture here. Like, like, this person gives, and man, they gave a lot, and they were real proud of the fact that they gave a lot. And it's like, look at me, but you can't, so I can't say that, but I want people to look at me, and I want to be noticed, so I'm not going to make a big deal about it, because I don't want to break what Jesus says in verse 1. And, and so there's this picture, though, that's like, I'm just going to pat myself on the back, and I'm just going to feel really good because of what I just did. And again, if you give to the poor, like, praise God for that. Like, you should feel some level of, of satisfaction. You should feel some sort of pride over doing good and following after Jesus, but we're not doing it solely for a feeling. We're not doing it solely just to pat ourselves on the back. So what does he say? He says, we're going to give to the poor. Uh, we're not going to let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. Uh, I kind of skipped over this. Let me go back real quick. Verse 2 and 3, when you give to the poor, that word poor, it's, it's way, I don't want, maybe not way broader, but it's broader than probably what we're thinking. The Greek word can mean poor, like poor person, an individual down the side of the road that we would help. It could mean the poor, like a group of poor people that we would go and help. Or it can also mean, in our terminology, just a charity. Like, like you gave money to a, to a church, you gave money to a charity, you gave your money to an organization that's going to go intern and help the community. Okay, so, so Jesus is saying what? There's this expectation that, that you as a follower, you're going to give, and you're going to give in such a way that you're not doing it in a, a bragging way. You're not doing it in a solely for my conscience feeling like you're doing it for the glory of God, Matthew 5. Okay, so verse 4 then, how does he end this? So that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, so that's like, here's the comparison, right? Verse, verse 2, the, the religious leaders, the people that, that people would be looked up to, people would, would look at them and be like, hey, I should be like that Pharisee, I should be like that scribe, like what good people they are, and they give so much money and will stand and give them a, a standing ovation for the good work they're doing and how much they give, and Jesus says that's their whole reward. He says, but you give in secret, you give in such a way that it's for the glory of God and not for the glory of self. How does he end that? He says there in verse 4, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Right, and for some of us, like, like just, just our thinking, uh, just our flesh, it's really easy to think, oh, he's going to reward me, and I'm going to fill in the blank with a big private island off some coast that I really want to live off of. Right, like fill in the blank with a newer car, fill in the blank with a better house, fill in the blank with something. Like, that's not, like these are eternal rewards in heaven, like far greater than anything here on earth. Far greater than the praise of men, far greater than, than anything. And Jesus says, no, here it is. You can have temporary, short-lived, like brings no satisfaction, is here today, gone tomorrow type of, of reward for the, for the quote-unquote good work you just did. Or you can have an eternal reward with Jesus. And what we fail, I think, in my own life, what we fail to realize or what we fail to believe here in verse 4 is that our Father sees what's done in secret. Right? Like, like 
is my giving in this context of money, is my giving even, even worthy of, like, we want the praise of men because we're not sure God's going to really praise us for what we just did. We didn't drop a million dollars in that offering box. We didn't, we didn't do something outrageous. And, and so it's like, did God even see? Did it even make a dent? Is it really going to be worth it? So maybe I should hedge my bets a little bit and, and maybe I could get the praise of men. At least get something. But there's this reality in verse 4 that, that as kingdom citizens, as children of the king, well, he sees his children. He knows what we're doing. And so the giving that we do in secret is noticed by him. He sees it. He knows it. And he's going to reward us. Okay, so, so in this broad idea of the Sermon on the Mount, that the kingdom citizens, there's no room for self-righteous. Verse 1 is saying this, that self-righteous people are going to do things so that you will praise them and they will be noticed. And Jesus is saying kingdom citizens are going to do things so that God will be praised and God will be noticed. So then he gives us this example of money, how we use our money. Are we using it to the glory of God? Are we using it to build his kingdom? Or are we just using it for our own personal gain? Understand, we got bills to pay, like, like duly noted inflation. We can make all these arguments. But are we giving something of our money for the glory of God and the building of his kingdom? And what we do in secret, uh, Jesus here doesn't put it in our mouth. He doesn't say a tithe. He doesn't give a percentage. He doesn't say any of that. But there's this picture that we are going to give something. And when we give something in secret, God sees it, he uses it, and he rewards us. So that's the question, like what are we doing with our money? Is it for our own kingdom that we want to build around ourselves or is it for the kingdom of God that, that we want him to be glorified and for him to be lifted up? All right, let's pray and uh, we'll have discussion group here in a little bit. Father, thank you for this passage. God, thank you for this warning in verse one. Help us to be aware. Help us to take notice for, for what we're doing, why we're doing it. God, it's so easy to fall in the trap of doing things for the praise of men. It's so easy in, in our world today to do something so that someone would share our post or like it or comment on it to make us feel better about ourselves. God, it's so easy to, to say a memory verse in a small group so that somebody will think more highly of us. God, I pray that we would serve you for your glory. I pray that we would serve you because we love you. I pray that we would serve you to build your kingdom and, and not to be noticed by men. So God, help us. Help us not to be hypocrites, as you would call these religious leaders. Help us to be genuine and real. Help us to follow after you well. Help us to be good citizens of your kingdom. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.